politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Miniman standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, our liberty, and our property. Nothing less than humanity is at stake with our contest here. If that is what you believe in, that is what you want to fight for, well, CR Podcast is your place to come. Our national town hall, even international town hall, every day. Uh, international because we're, we're increasingly having international guests, international listeners on. It's great hearing from those of you in Europe, Australia as well, because this is really a unified fight. Okay, it's not about American politics. It's it's a global Fourth Reich that has arisen. And right now, here in America, and really around the world, the discussion is all about recession and inflation. And, you know, that's happened before. There's nothing unusual about it. Now, this is a very severe scenario of stagflation that we're facing. But the reason we're facing it is because of COVID fascism that everyone seems to be done with and doesn't want to talk about. It's bizarre watching conservative media, watching Republicans act as if the atrocities committed never happened. And mind you, that was the opening act of it. We have the monkeypox. We have now they want to make a thing out of every winter, winter pathogens. They're doing that. And then you have the food crisis and all this stuff. They want to take away our food, our fuel, our cars, our humanity. And they're acting as if it's, oh, it's a recession. Oh, don't get me wrong. The recession and inflation are bad. But that's one of the many symptoms of the problem they refuse to diagnose much less properly address and treat and we have a very narrow window that's why i feel very frantic now because on the one hand most people have woken up from the mass psychosis formation and get the problem with the mass and this and that and the lies maybe not everything but it's it's we're you know it's coming due and we're transitioning to the next phases of the battle we're already in it we're already well behind the score if we don't do anything to stop her, stop this. I want to start off with um, about a minute clip. It's a montage of Jacinda, the prime minister in New Zealand. This is posted by an individual, at least I've seen it from him, Wittgenstein on Twitter. I'm not sure if he, you know, if he put it together or someone else did, but kudos for putting, putting this out. Listen to this minute clip about what we are up against. The pandemic has been the ultimate disruptor. It has changed our realities and given us cause to pause and reflect. And the disruption is an opportunity for us to reset. And over the next three years, there is much work to do. We will build back better from the COVID crisis. Better, stronger, with an answer to the many challenges New Zealand already faced. This is our opportunity. Fortunately for us, we already have a blueprint for such a world in the Sustainable Development Goals and the 2030 Agenda. We have incorporated the principles of the 2030 Agenda into our domestic policy making in a way that we hope will drive system-level actions. This is not just a new scorecard. It is about fundamentally changing how we make decisions and therefore how we allocate resources. 
Okay, guys, so Build Back Better, Reset, Agenda 2030, Sustainable Development Goals. This is a montage of her mentioning all of them. Isn't it funny that the bill the Democrats are now pushing, which was, by the way, facilitated by Republicans passing the CHIPS Act and McConnell voting for that and their refusal to use the budget CR and NDAA leverage to block it. When have we ever renamed named a bill after an international phenomenon? Usually it's, it's something unique to America. Build back better. They're all using these terms. Okay? COVID was planned. The response to it was planned. But that was just the opening act. So meaning even if there was nothing left in their arsenal to the Great Reset but what they've already done, it would still be abhorrent that Republicans aren't properly addressing how to criminalize this behavior in the future and prevent it from ever happening again. You know, we're going to have coming up a psychologist from England on to survey the damage that has been done to kids. And it is truly astounding how we don't have commissions set up in all the states to study the behavioral, social, emotional, mental health, physical harms to kids from something that was known from day one. It was all pain and no gain would never work. There was no need for it for children. And it destroyed them as human beings. You know, that is one of the worst forgotten things. And, 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 and it's not like we are done with it. It's still a looming threat. Some school systems are going back to it. They're always threatening it. In other words, we're not over that hump. But this is just the beginning. It wasn't about COVID. It wasn't even about medical freedom, which in itself is the most severe issue you could ever come up with, the most consequential issue. It was about grooming a society to accept a new normal, a great reset. That now we could have endless emergencies and we're going to live from crisis to crisis. And when we do that, you don't have any rights and there's no limit to what we can do. No evidentiary standards, no due process. You will be censored. You have no way of speaking out, of redressing your grievances. So, I mean, we're already knee deep into this with the food. Ukraine, we didn't even realize it, and we just stepped right into it. That was the second phase. Created the supply chain shortages. Created the, um, you know, all the the increase in, in the price of corn and wheat and fertilizer. And then they pick that exact moment when prices are the most expensive, expensive and we have the most shortages, particularly of fertilizer, to then rejuvenate this war on on um, nitrogen-based fertilizer, which nitrogen is to food what oxygen is to humans, the reason why the population has been able to go from you know, 1 billion in 1900 to uh, 8 billion now without having famines, and in fact we've you know, had the fewest famines in history in recent years, is because of the, the nitrogen fertilizer that's able to yield so many crops, and feed so many people. And as you well know, that is what they hate. The central thing, when you listen to the Great Reset World Economic Forum type of people, which really seem to have permeated every Western government and control every Western corporation, and uh, you know 
NGO. It's all about population reduction. Okay? It's all about that population reduction. Think about it. Think about how severe that is. So what better way to go to sustainable development than by ensuring that we don't have enough food to feed more than a certain number of people? This is not just about the war on farmers in the Netherlands. It's about nothing less than mass starvation. And now they're doing it in Ireland. They're doing it in Canada, demanding they cut back 30% of the nitrogen or you know CO2 emissions, nitrogen emissions. That's what this is about. They want to do to food what they've done to medicine. Okay, and they're going to do it to cars. They're going to do it to every vital good and service that we need and that we rely on for our freedom. All the while, tightening the screws on their surveillance state, tightening up the enforcement of the censorship. Again, that we now know that government worked every day with big tech to censor people, direct violation of First Amendment. That's what this is about. So yeah, obviously, when you do all of that and you shut people down and disrupt and create market distortions and subsidization and print the money and spend the money, yeah, you're going to have inflation. You're going to have a recession. But that's not the point. And more broadly, Republicans voted for all of that. And now they're voting for new spending and new spending. Another $52 billion in the NDAA. Another $60 billion for Ukraine. Another $280 billion to give out to Intel and the National Science Foundation. And they have the nerve to talk about Biden inflation. That's not what it is. And again, at its core, what they're trying to do with the economy, we're now in an endless, vicious feedback loop that we've never been in in history. See, typically, it's very hard. We've had a couple times where we've had stagflation, a recession, and inflation, but it's rare. It's rare because typically, obviously, inflation you know, usually is an indication of more consumption, more demand for consumption. People have more wealth. Um, the economy is heating up. So usually you don't have both. But they did to the economy what they're doing with the mass vaccination. If you listen to Wednesday's show with Dr. Paul Alexander, he explains the endless feedback loop, how this could go on for 100 years. The more you inject, the more you infect. It creates viral immune escape. Then you have it, it selects for dominant variants. And then it evades immunity and it goes on and on and on. And that's kind of what they're doing with this. They spend and print more money, which causes out-of-control inflation. Then they have to hike interest rates more to try to tame it. And then that tanks the economy. And then, more, and then people are more dependent on the government, even in good times, certainly in a recession. So they throw even more money at corporations and individuals, which maximizes both economic contraction and inflation at the same time, okay? So it's truly unbelievable that we have a recession while the M2 money circulation is pretty much plateaued. It went down slightly. You know, they sold off some of their assets, but it's almost, you know, plateauing at this record high when it jumped by an entire third, literally 33, 35% overnight in 2020. And Republicans supported every bit of this. 
So they're arguing, no, it is a recession. That, that, that's basically the conservative media for the last 48 hours. But actually, I agree with Janet Yellen. Janet Yellen said it yesterday, it's not a recession, it's a transition. Now, she meant a transition into recovery, but she actually is right. It's not a recession. We're not experiencing what we experienced in 2008. We're not experiencing what we experienced in the 70s. This is truly a transition. The Great Reset, the Build Back Better, Agenda 2030, Sustainable Development Goals. It's not about, oh, we have a, a period of contraction in the economy, a period of inflation. No. It's about transitioning and remaking humanity, remaking citizenry, remaking the way we interact with people, remaking the way we have food. That's why they're buying up all the farmland. Food, medicine, cars, everything. And they're, they're, it's amazing how open they are about it. And people just don't want to open up their ears. You know, the New York Times, they had an article recently advocating that cannibalism has a time and a place. I'm not kidding you. That's a quote. Okay? And that's a very important statement. Because I truly believe they mean it. Cannibalism. If you think about what they've done the past two and a half years, it was cannibalism. Okay? I need you to survive. I could destroy your life for my survival. I believe you are a threat. It's not just a you know silly, maniacal thing that the New York Times is throwing out with cannibalism. That's literally what they're doing, what they plan to do. That is what the Great Reset is all about. Okay, the people at the top, the laptop class, destroy, destroy those, those uh, under them. And I want to continue this discussion, this transhumanism, this Great Reset, the damage, the cannibalism of humanity, by surveying the damage of what has done, been done to kids, the state of play, with not just American kids, but an entire civilization, human civilization on planet Earth of kids. Um, It's truly unbelievable. Um, But first, I just want to plug again, CR Socks, or that's the promo code, but blazesocks.com. The Blaze is now offering limited time, limited amount, patriotic socks, where you could display your messages unabashed along with uh, drink covers that have the same messages. The cotton is grown in America, spun in America, and the socks are packaged by your fellow Americans. Supports 1,200 jobs. Um, here's the deal. Here's the deal, folks. Uh, if you want, there are two sock packages. Stylish drink covers come with them to keep your beverages cool and patriotic. If you can't decide which sock package you want, well, this is America. You can get both. And get this, if you buy both sock packages, we'll throw in a free bonus set of socks and an additional set of drink covers with discount of your full purchase. Christmas indeed has come early in the summer here to Blaze. Get them now at blazesocks.com before they are gone. Put in Blaze Sub for 20% off your purchase. That's B-L-A-Z-E-S-U-B. Um, it's a promo code available to Blaze TV subscribers. If you're not currently a subscriber, you could kill two birds with one stone. Put in promo code CRSOCKS to save on both your Blaze TV subscription and get 20% off the limited edition of socks. 
Because remember, folks, this is you know we're going to do more of this. The specials we have that can't get censored, like we did on vaccine injury, we are planning on doing more of this. Uh, you know, with other issues, more follow up on 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 COVID issues. You know, look, I wish we could put everything out for free. This show is going to remain free. Send it to all your friends and relatives. But to get the full Blaze content of everything the network puts out, I mean, you're pretty much talking about, you know, with 20 bucks off, you're talking about like $80 for the entire year worth of content. So definitely, definitely worth it. Uh, once again, go to blazesocks.com. So for our guest segment today, we really have not had many mental health professionals on, only about one or two, and unfortunately that's because there aren't too many in that profession that are speaking out. But really if you think about it, we've we've tried to quantify the physical toll of everything that's gone on, certainly the excess deaths, the lockdowns, the shots, um, the virus and lack of treatment. You're talking about millions of people, but what's even more than that is the mental health of an entire generation of children, not in one country, but almost every country on planet Earth. It's truly hard to wrap my brain around this. If you consider what we're facing now, you look at an adult, and as bad as things have been, truth be told, adults already, their brains are formulated, their habits, their social skills, um, physically, emotionally, behaviorally, mentally, now, obviously, we definitely are going to see a residual effect in people's behaviors for the future, but for the most part, people have returned to normal. Now, in some respects, you know, that's a, pro- a problem, as I've mentioned before, because we need people to be activated against the next step, because this was just the opening act of this new normal Great Reset. But what about children? Imagine having a two to five to seven, eight year old throughout this period in 2020, 2021, that they think this is what life is about. Could you ever reverse that damage? They grow up thinking that human beings are a threat. They grow up thinking that having your mouth and nose uncovered is is like tantamount to having your private parts uncovered. What does that do to humanity? So the truth be told, the UK has actually put out better information on this then our government, now whether they follow that policy-wise is different, but they've always had better data out of the UK. And I figured I'd bring on a UK researcher to discuss this. We've, we've talked about HEART before, the Health Advisory Recovery Team, terrific organization there that has been pushing back. And one of their, um, one of, one of their staff and writers there is Sarah Waters. She's a psychotherapist out of Cornwall, it's in the Southwest, for those of you who are learning that today, like I did, experienced in working with the effects of abuse, neglect, and childhood trauma. She specializes in family therapy and the parental model, and there aren't too many people with that background who are actually speaking out, but Sarah is certainly one of them. Sarah, thanks so much for joining our audience here today at Blaze Media in the UK. That's a pleasure. It's great to be here. Okay, so this is a vast discussion. I want to start with the youngest of kids. There, you know, I think to the extent people have discussed the mental health issue, it's the suicide crisis among teenagers. But let's start with the youngest among us. Um, I think we all understand that wearing a mask is not normal. Um, having these bizarre rituals of talking ten feet apart is not normal. Um, And most have gone back to normal life as of now. 
what could you survey as if you're a you know a construction worker going through the wreckage of a hurricane survey the damage that we're seeing right now that needs to be dealt with among the youngest of children okay i mean through throughout this um whole covid situation they they the youngest um members of our society have been the ones that i've been the most concerned about because um very young children like babies very young children their brains are not developed they're, they're almost born you know with their brains very undeveloped so a lot of brain activity is being laid down in particularly in the first sort of like two years of life so to be surrounded by people wearing masks in particular i mean that's been one of my major bugbears really which i i have found really really um distressing to see is very very um disruptive for them they need babies need to see um they need to see people's faces particularly their parents it's how they sort of regulate themselves it's how they feel safe by looking particularly into their mum or dad's faces and to be um you know to be looking into a face wearing a mask for example is highly um and you know be highly dysregulating for a young child and very confusing and i think what you know the most worrying thing is is that brain development is you know this gets laid down in those first couple of years and there's certain milestones and that milestone could get missed of uh, and then it's gonna you know it's gonna be a big job to sort of like try to, to catch up with that basically so i mean and i've just been shocked as to um, the lack of, uh, you know, concern around that, particularly with regards to, I don't know what it's like in America, but there's been a massive um, push in the UK over the last, particularly over the last 10 years to teach um, teachers and anybody that works with children, basically, uh, about this sort of thing and about brain development and trauma in, you know, trauma in general. It should be a well-known fact that wearing a face covering or anything over your face when you're around a little child is really not a good thing to do but there doesn't seem to have been much pushback against it which that's is a really quite... interesting point that the the period immediately preceding mm. covid i think we've seen this globally it's it's like this in the united states as well that there was a push in the mental health profession mm. to really obsess about not exposing children to fear and trauma, you know, so much so that there's been a debate over the snowflake generation, you know, are, do, are we not rearing them to be rugged enough or whatever, but certainly we were very in tune to that. And then suddenly we don't care. And and one of my questions to you is, so we, we focused a lot on the physical aspect of the mask, obviously, um, you know, certainly that it doesn't work to, to, for a stated goal. And then the concern of CO2, the concern of limited oxygenation, um, obviously uh, skin issues. Um, and then there's the vocabulary, the speech development, mimicking the facial features. I have a two-year-old that uh, will look you right in the right, mm. not in the eye, in the mouth. Mm. And everything, she copies every last thing. So we have a um, you know, seven-year-old and a 10-year-old and 12-year-old boys and they're always, you know, and sometimes they do inappropriate things like they do at that age. And she'll copy the 
intonation, everything, the way they, the way they express things. So we, we focused a lot on that. But okay. what about mentally? What I'm concerned about is a kid usually learns early on they kind of run away from a bee or they're scared of a snake. But now you have a mask to know that your fellow five-year-old kid is a problem. Mm. What does that do long-term? What are the sort of long-term ramifications of teaching kids to fear humanity? Mm. Well, I think there's, 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 there's going to be, uh, you know, there's, there is a lot of health anxiety, for example. So, I mean, that's one sort of like major thing. And it's so anti-human isn't it and anti-life to be scared of your your you know your fellow human being really so I you know it's going to I would have thought you know it's going to bring up a generation of um young people who are scared and in fear of other people and that's um so the opposite of being a you know an emotionally emotionally healthy person so, and feel safe and secure in your environment, which is what it's all about, really, at the end of the day. So on that point, there's a big issue here in America. We're all talking about these mass shootings. And the one common denominator with all of them is they're always described as loners. Mm. And and um, distant is the word that's always used. And I was thinking, gee, mm. every kid from the time they're four now probably knows of the term social distancing mm, mm. Do, do you fear so we're talking about developmental problems but is there a concern that you could raise a generation of people that that could potentially become violent against human beings if they're taught to be distant from humans well I, well, I, I'm, I'm suppose you could absolutely i mean if you're being taught to to fear other people and to keep your distance from them then it's not really um creating sort of empathy is it so it, you know there would be a lack of sort of like empathy between people and i think that's but that sort of keeps a real sort of like social cohesion doesn't it so if people are sort of scared of each other then that's well absolutely i'm sure violence could be the result of of, of that because we're not you know healthily sort of connected to each other i'm looking now at uh, and i give your government credit for at least putting this out whether they're going to change policy is a different story but i don't the, think they are <laughs> yeah but the office but but here here cdc is doing the opposite. They're they're um rather than flagging the developmental problems, they're actually redefining or recalibrating benchmarks of childhood development. I heard that to accommodate the problems. But the Ofsted is your Office of Standards and Education, Children's Services and Skills against roughly our uh, Federal Department of Education. They mm -hmm. they note that. They're noticing more children need help with basic self-care functions, such as blowing their noses, putting on their coats, tying their shoelaces. They have trouble telling time. Um, toilet training seems to be delayed. Where does that come from? Well, I, I think sadly, and, and it, I think sadly, the most vulnerable children are the ones that are are being affected or have been affected. So I, I would imagine um, that these children are possibly coming from households where um, the importance of that sort of thing isn't 
isn't very well known or there's um, there's maybe violence in the family or there's some sort of abuse going on or um, parents, I suppose, yeah, I, ju I just think that more vulnerable children have, uh, are being affected. And um, so not being in school and not being helped with that sort of thing um, means that they've got delays in all of in all of those areas. I mean, it also that that report sort of showed that they, you know, some children have got a limited vocabulary. They've got a lack of confidence to speak. You know, they're struggling to respond to basic sort of facial expressions. They are anxious, didn't, you know, didn't like, you know, anxious around seeing different faces. So there's been huge, um, huge ramifications because, again, I think that age group is really, really, it's a critical sort of time for children to socialise and, and to be interacted with and um, not to be around people who are wearing face masks or social distancing from each other. So if you go up the ladder here, you go up to later elementary school into middle school, adolescence age, and then, mm. you know, teenagers as well. Mm. So there they had some time, obviously, to develop on those basic fine motor, gross motor skills, human interactions to an extent. What are the biggest concerns that you're seeing out of that age group? I think, um, I mean, I think the whole the whole thing is it's just been a massive collective trauma that is uh, is being underplayed definitely in, in, in this country um, and all over the world, I think. And um, I suppose putting children into an environment where there's fear messaging everywhere, which is what the masks did and all the other messaging that was around. I mean, uh, there was a huge, you know, there was targeted sort of like fear messaging in this country. I mean, that's going to, um, it's not a healthy, emotionally healthy state for anybody to be living in. And I think children going to school, having to wear masks, it, it stopped a lot of sort of like social interaction with their peers, um, not being able to get close to each other. I mean, it's just highly, highly unhuman and, and traumatizing. It's the antithesis to, a, you know, a healthy emotional environment, which is what schools um, are meant to be. So now, when you look at some of the damage here in terms of depression, suicide, mm -hmm. mental health, what are some statistics you have either in the UK or US or globally that encapsulates the sheer damage from the last two or so years? Well, I mean, I could probably, you know, really, we'd probably be here all day, to be honest with you, because there's just report after report coming out as to the damage that's been done. But I mean, a few that I could read out to you. Um, I mean, eight out of 10 children and adolescents reported an increase in negative feelings um, during the pandemic. 80% um, of young people reported a deterioration in their emotional well-being. I mean, this is in the UK. Um you know, UNICEF has reported that 150 million additional children are going to grow up in poverty and millions of girls are going to be driven into child marriage. Um, and lockdowns are estimated to be responsible for the death of hundreds of thousands of children, 228,000 in South Asia alone. So, I mean, it's a global, it's a global issue. And um, it's absolutely shocking. I'm just totally shocked that children 
who, um, you know, are, are our future, are, are being entreated in this way. And they're the ones, obviously, that are least affected by COVID. I think they've got a 99.995% recovery rate, but they, you know, they, they're being affected the most. And I think it's shocking. You you wrote a, a while back an outline of of issues and folks you could find this at Hart's website Hart Group, um, and, and uh, if you if you look up you, you you have this really nice laid out bullet points of problems with social distancing, medical intervention, masks. One thing that that struck me and I want you to elaborate on if you can enforcing demands such as hand sanitizing creates fear and develops habits of compliance. Mm. What do you mean by that? Um, well, being told to, to, you know, being encouraged to do all that sort of thing is, um, I, I think part, you know, part of making young people compliant to, and, and, and having to do what authority tells them rather than, um, them being given the sort of agency to do what they think is right for themselves. So, so you think that's not so to them that wasn't a damage. That was almost part of a, a feature of what they were trying to do. That you groom a generation into compliance, mm. and and the question is what what's on the other side of this? It's funny because I think of um, my parents' generation when they had those T-shirts during the the hippie period. Uh, question authority. That, mm. that that's that's what mm. that generation did, right. and and now it's like a generation of almost like you're a robot, like a like an android mm. or something, and you get mm. instructed on your digital device what to do. Well, absolutely, and the thought of um, you know seeing rows and rows and rows of of children at school, you know, like separated from each other and all facing the front and all wearing masks, and then you've got a teacher at the front. I find extremely dystopian that is that is very very scary i'm just trying to think of what human beings look like you know because we think in terms of productivity success in life but also yeah i mean in terms of just interpersonal relationships how i i, I mean th this is in many ways is so hard to quantify mm -hmm. much worse than the death toll of of the virus and the shots and and things like that so where are the mental health professionals? Where where are they? Well, exactly. That's that's my question, really. I mean, there are, you know, there are some that are speaking out, but there certainly aren't many, and um, it's just shocking. I'm just shocked on a on a on a daily basis that there aren't more people speaking out for children and and, and young people, and and particularly because of this big trauma-informed push that's happened in the UK and it sounds like it's happened in America over the last 10 years teaching all of you know all of this trauma-informed information I mean where are all these trauma-informed professionals who um, should be speaking out against this they're, they're they're not there I'm afraid which is highly highly disappointing and it makes you wonder I mean again we could you know, we could speak all night about trying to, you know, discussing the psychology of it all. But 
are they, you know, are, you know, adults, it seems to me, are just, uh, you know, just as um, the same as the children. They perhaps do what authority tells them to do. It, that's what they're doing. They're, they're going along with it. They're doing what they're told to do and not questioning. Where do you think that comes from? I'm just saying, like, how could... I guess what I can't understand is I thought after the first wave and the stuff didn't work... So people would kind of get it. But what's the psychology behind? Here's what I'm trying to figure out. Mm. You have someone wearing a mask very religiously, and then they find someone not wearing a mask. And they get militant. And it's like, well, you're wearing it. It works so much Mm. that you feel you could break the boundaries of social norms and attack someone for not wearing it. So it must really work. It must really. So (laughs) then it really works. How could someone think this stuff works and doesn't work at the same time? In other words, I have a mask, but you're a threat without it to my protection. I have a vaccine, and because you didn't get it, you're a threat to me. How how do people think that? Like everyone everyone talks about, oh, I, I defer to the authorities or I don't know science, I don't know medicine. But but these are this is basic logic. And that much everyone should know. It, it either works or it doesn't. I think one of the things is, is I think when people are in fear, they go into, you know, it's like a sort of reptilian brain reaction. So they go into sort of fight or flight and all sort of critical thinking and curiosity particularly can get get shut down. So, you know, they're just in a sort of like fight or flight um, situation. That's one reason perhaps. Also, I think there's almost been a sort of, it's almost like a sort of like a cult-like mass formation. I mean, there is a, um, a, a theory going, uh, Matthias Desmer is a Belgian um, psychologist who's done a lot of research into all of this and, 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 and terms it like a sort of mass formation. And there's a whole sort of psychology behind how that happens and it's really really fascinating and that might be a something you might want to um talk about on another show because it's quite complicated but he's done a lot of research into how how these sorts of things happen and there has to be certain sort of conditions leading up to it and um so it's very very fascinating from a you know it's horrific horrific obviously but from a psychological point of view it's absolutely fascinating it, it really is i had a i had a moment i want to say maybe around the winter 2021 it was the peak of the mask wearing and you know i always question like everyone else trying to figure out how did you have what took place in germany in the 1930s the most developed country 20th century this wasn't you know middle ages and how did an entire society turn on a group of people? And it, it clicked in me when I was walking with my family one time. We were taking a walk, and it was through it was through a, it was technically a private development, but the streets were public. It was part of a circuit around the lake that everyone does. And you know, there was no outdoor mask mandate, at least not where I was. Um, and this forty-five-year-old middle-aged woman passes us now i got four kids you got the adorable baby and 
in, in a different universe before this, they would have been all smiles, all polite. And she turns to my 10-year-old son with just a look of of disdain and hatred in her eyes. Wow. And, like, makes this violent motion with her face. Mm. And I was thinking, like, that is the type of person. Again, a year ago would have been all smiles, all whatever. And now all social norms are gone. Like, that is how you could turn people to literally say, if you don't do a certain thing, you're a threat and you deserve to be killed or something. That That's the vibe I got. Mm. Well, it's sort of, you know, because I've also been very fascinated in, well, fascinated in human diversity development and psychology and particularly fascinated in yes like nazi germany and how how could that happen how could human beings be like that and i suppose a lot of questions are being answered a lot of questions have been answered for me over the last couple of years and you know i think part of it is like leading up to this um to to the the the, the pandemic society wasn't particularly going in a great way was it i think that you know i think there was a, there's been a you know there's a lot of anxiety around already there's a lot of um mental health problems already particularly for children um a lot of disconnection between people i think um mobile phones technology has got a lot to yes. do with that people are feeling quite disconnected also do, you know, doing jobs that they don't feel sort of like fulfilled in doing. So there's a sort of like lack of meaning in their mm. lives. Um, and I think that is sort of like the perfect storm for when something like COVID came, came along, people had something to latch that, their anxiety onto. And that sort of created like a sort of cohesiveness between everybody um, well, not everybody, but everybody that was going along with it. It was sort of it sort of gave them a a cause and a reason and a and and it's and it's almost like and, and I think that's one explanation of what sort of happened and 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 therefore anybody that wasn't going along with the narrative, like you say about your you know that woman with your son, is just sort of like looked at as a real um, outcast basically from the mass formation of other people because that's what it is it that it wasn't fear of the virus even the most ardent ones outdoors you know, you know to go over to someone you know you could be on the other side of the street no one mm. no one feared that mm. um it was like you're not a member of the tribe and yeah, you you're don't... not a member of the tribe you're not doing what is right for the greatest good the greater good and, the greater and good. you brought up one thing that i i i Really, it shocks me how mental health did not talk about this before COVID. Um, but and I didn't see it as much, and now we do with with the screens, the screens, mm. the digital, the the this whole meta universe. Um, a lot of us here call it transhumanism because yeah. just because I I wasn't attuned to this before, but you listen to the kind of World Economic Forum affiliates and these people, and mm. it's shocking the things they say. I never realized that they were that serious about it about making people like bots and androids. Mm. And one of the things I found astounding in the Ofsted report, they talk about how children have started to speak in accents and voices that resemble mm. the material they have watched. I know. I know. That's really worrying, isn't it? You know, mm. what, what? so how do we... 
this is what I want to close with. How do we wean people off both this pre-COVID screen obsession, transhuman obsession, and and the COVID cult? What are the most important things parents could do? Um, I've been fortunate enough to escape this, but people that had kids for a significant period of time, maybe a year, maybe a year and a half, in schools for eight hours, seven hours with masks, who have been forced to go through this rituals, who have been uh, exposed to it, what are the most important things they could do to start to repair that damage? I, I think there needs to be a push for recognition around what has what has gone on. Basically, I think you can't. Nobody can heal from trauma unless there's been recognition that the trauma has actually taken place and i'm sure it's happening in america but you know in this country there's 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 no recognition there's no it's almost like the last two years sort of didn't happen it's all just being pushed under the carpet and i'm just shocked as to you know i expected because i've got i've got a child at, at secondary school that when they went back into school it, you know the, the emphasis would be taken off learning and there would be a lot of you know emotional support and there would be a real sort of period of uh, you know of trying to help children heal but I mean that just hasn't happened at all it feels like um schools have actually got stricter to be honest with you well and and, and you know there's been a less sort of emphasis on it on emotional health so I just want I think parents actually perhaps need to demand that this is this this is what happens you know this is what needs to happen because i don't think it's not looking like we can rely on our on schools and on the government and on our local councils or charities or anybody that's meant to you know is blessed with the honor of, of, of safeguarding our children it doesn't look like they're actually going to do it so i think we as um, humans and as parents, if we are, we, we need to stand up for our rights and particularly our children's rights. And we need to teach our children to do the same and to um, say no if we are being encouraged to do something that we think is damaging to ours or our children's emotional or physical health. Isn't it also important to put your thumb on the scale as a parent ideologically? A lot of parents don't like, you know, pushing a certain way of thinking and they want to be hands off and be neutral, let them discover their own thing. But you have to combat the new normal with the real normal and, and teach them this is not okay. This that's wasn't right. okay. This was not normal. Mm, that's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think also as much encouragement to, to get off screens actually is, you know, because I just think that, you know, it's a massive concern the amount of time the young people are, are on screens. Um, so I think, yeah, getting them off their screens, getting them outside, getting into nature, eating healthy food, drinking fresh water, socializing. Um, and, and, uh, you know, and I think particularly as well, it's really important is helping young people understand, learn, um, how powerful they are, really, and 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 maybe going back to some more sort of um, spiritual sort of practices and spiritual learning, because I do think that's definitely what's being eroded here and yes. what's being lost. And I think to help children and young people realise how how powerful they they actually are, and they are not just puppets that people in authority can 
tell what to do. In other words, yeah, you're not just a QR code. You're no. not just another bot in a metaverse. No. You're no. a human being. Absolutely. And a powerful one at that. Exactly. Yeah, this is not again, this is not even it's not right or left. This is the new boundary in 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 public affairs is the fight for humanity to be human. Uh that's that's crazy it's come to this, but this is really where the fault line is. Um, it's not about those, you know, kind of typical issues. They're really a sideshow. It's are you going to fight to keep human beings the way they were designed to be? Um, and this is all kind of coming together with this technology and everything to just traumatize kids. Uh, very, very insightful. Is there anywhere people could follow your work at the Heart Group or elsewhere? Um, yes, if they go onto the Heart Group website and put in a search for Sarah Waters, um, my articles will come up. There's also a um, three-day conference, health conferences being held at the end of this month. Um, let me just get the details. So, so you're looking for – so it's important that, guys, when you look up on the Heart Group website, uh, you type in Sarah Waters' name. There's a couple of very important articles I want you guys to bookmark for when you go to your school board or the superintendent or the principal of the school and you know if you're in a district that they're continuing some of this stuff mm. there's very good information on on mental health and other uh harms to kids and you need to be armed with this and and again it's not going to happen on its own you can't assume they're going to realize it the good news is it is changing a little bit and we saw this in Los Angeles there was a grassroots push pushback from parents and they dropped their their push for masks, uh, right. but they are. I mean, this is the the thing that will never end. It's a monster that will never end on its own unless you make it end. Mm, um, absolutely, I think we've all got to. Everybody's got to find as much cu courage as they can possibly muster, and 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 just keep speaking out, keep speaking the truth. I think that's the most important thing. It's not maybe necessarily trying to change people's minds or getting into argument. It's just speaking speaking the truth keep speaking the truth perfect well thanks so much sarah waters for joining us again find her work at the heart group uh definitely keep us updated on your future work okay well just to say there is a like, the conference is called Healthcare: the future i think that if that if anybody put that into a search it will come up and it's a three-day conference and i'm speaking at that on the last day and there's a lot of other amazing um, speakers as well. So that might be something people might be interested in, in tuning into. We can't let that go. I mean, that's the important thing to keep speaking out. Thanks so much for doing what you're doing. Take care. Okay. Thanks, Daniel. So folks, this is where it's at. It's an international fight, not just for liberty. I mean, because in, in the past, when we used that term, we didn't mean that the degree of tyranny was this. It's a fight for humanity. And it, when, I, when I mean humanity, I don't mean human flourishing or human betterment and what's good for humans. I mean literally to be a human being distinct from an organism or a metaverse, bot, QR code, whatever. Um, that's where it's at. This is what they're saying. This is what they're doing. And this is what they're doing successfully. We're the underdogs. It's not like, oh, there's this crazy thing that one day could, could arise and come to power. They are in power. And by default, they will be if we don't dislodge them. It's eerie listening to Sarah Waters from a different country say that, you know, she feels the same thing, that people are just kind of walking away from it as if nothing happened. 
And the problem is something did happen. It does need to be repaired. Um, kids need to be told every day that this was not normal, that their government was evil. You know, all things equal. You don't want them growing up thinking that their government is e- is evil. But the alternative is thinking that that behavior is positive and normal. So by you know, in order to teach them that it's evil behavior, by definition, they're going to have to understand that. They need to. They, I, I feel very strongly about that. You have to even overcompensate to, you know, like anything else, to bring us back to that equilibrium of the true normal, not the new normal, not the great reset. So. When they talk about cannibalism has a time and a place, they mean right now, and their place is everywhere, the globe. You know, we might have to go to Mars at some point to restart everything, but for now, we got to fight. We have nowhere to go. And and again, the good news is what you saw in L.A., they they did successfully push back. They, if, they, if they perceive that there's a critical mass of people who oppose it, they know where that line is and they don't want to cross it. They don't want full-scale rebellion, at least not yet. And that's what was so stupid about people not speaking out. you got to speak out now, right? Some states have banned it, but not all. We need clear, full bans with criminal penalties Civil cause of action for any locality that pushes masks on children and that does really any of this stuff. We need to build that firewall because it's not just the fact that they're, they're going to do this every winter and they're going to keep creating pathogens and doing this. It's they're, they're going to find other ways, you know, the climate, the, the heat wave, um, environmental concerns, all sorts of unrest. They'll, they'll, not only talk about it, but downright create it like they did with this and then create the solution. And it's all the use of technology, all getting back to transhumanism. So again, it's about a lot more than a freaking recession. And the recession, of course, is 100% from this. Just in the remaining time, I wanted to share a couple of um, just important data points here on just going through the magnitude of of the damage from the shots. This is from the Defender, this is RFK's group. Zogby, right, it's a famous pollster, has a survey out of Americans and asked them randomly, did you get the shots, how many, and asked a very interesting question. See, we're trying to figure out how many people were damaged from it, and it's hard to know. Because theirs is a lot, but it's woefully underreported. And my best estimate is right now about 1 in 500, I think, died from it. It's a, Don't quote me on it. It's very loose, loosey-goosey, just based on everything we're seeing. And again, that, that's, that's several hundred thousand people just in America, if you do the numbers. Um, and then, you know, probably a few million were seriously injured. But it's hard to know how many people will have lifelong problems from this because most people themselves, sometimes it's murky. So they did a survey of a little bit over a 1,000 adults, and they asked them an interesting question. How many of you, have, after receiving a shot, have been diagnosed by a doctor with a new condition within a matter of weeks to several months after the vaccine? Now, again... That, that not every person statistically if most adults got the shots so you can't say every person who's been diagnosed with a new disorder within a few months is from that 
But that gives you a good starting point because that's a good way of at least, okay, you know, how many of you were damaged by the shot? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell. Okay, how many had a new diagnosis within a few months? So first off, they found out that 67% received one or more dose. 33% were unvaccinated. Okay, that's kind of interesting. Um, that's actually a little bit more unvaccinated than the data show. But you have to know in terms of their survey, um, you know, because among adults, it's it's probably more than 67. It's like at least 80% that that got at least one dose but there could be confounding factors to their survey size that that makes it like that but among the 67 percent um how many of you were diagnosed with a new condition and 15 percent say they've been diagnosed by a medical practitioner with a new condition okay and this is not like people over 70 this is all adults so that includes younger. 15% say they've been diagnosed with a new condition. That is utterly insane. And out of those 15%, I mean, you understand what that is. If, you, if, if this is a reflective randomized survey, reflective of the broader population, okay, you take 15%, of let's say 250 million. Okay? What's that going to give you? Like 38 million people? 38 million people have been diagnosed with a new condition within months after the shot. Now, the number that really was triggered by the shot will be less than 38 million, but what is it? And I would tell you, it's going to be, it's going to be beyond 10 million. I don't know. We, this is what we're trying to figure out. 10, 20, 25 million. Who knows? But it's more than a few. few million, I think, is very serious direct injury. But here is what is very disturbing. And, and this jives with the Israeli Health Ministry survey. 21%. So among the 15% who did describe being diagnosed with a new ailment, he, here is the breakdown. 21% said blood clots. That's insane. 90% heart attack, 18% liver damage, which increasingly I'm seeing that was more common, 17% leg clots, 15% stroke. See, you want to say, okay, you know, I got colitis or whatever, and, and, and certainly this is causing autoimmune diseases. But okay, that was already increasing before it was common. But a full survey of all adults, even young, to have that many liver damage, heart attacks, strokes, and blood clots. Dude, I think we know where that's coming from. 10% of people said they regretted getting the shot overall. Um, they were asked if you know someone personally that has been medically diagnosed with a new condition. 26% said yes. In the second survey of 829 adults, okay, this is aged 18 to 49. So they did a separate survey just for 18 to 49. 62% were vaccinated, 38% unvaccinated. Um, again, that's you know, more than the general population. 22% report being medically diagnosed within, uh, within a matter of weeks to several months. So 22%. Okay, folks, the entire adults was 15. 
this is isolating only younger adults, it's up to 22 freaking percent. 21% autoimmune, 20% blood clots, 19 stroke, 17 liver damage, 15 disrupted menstrual cycle, Guillain-Barre and Bell's palsy. Um, 43% report serious, that they were serious. So 43%, almost half of the 22% said it was serious, 10% say severe. Um, and among them, 14% regretted it. And 30% of those 18 to 49 know someone who has been medically diagnosed with some with you know an ailment within a few months of the vaccination. Folks, the, the reason why this jives with me because it really does seem to work with what we're seeing with other data, with the real world. And we had Dr. Ryan Cole a while ago explain, basically, if I'm getting the gist of it, why it seems that younger people are more damaged than older people. Meaning it's not just that the risk-benefit analysis was always worse for them because COVID was less of a problem, but the vaccine was particularly more of a problem. Uh, the best I understand of it, from what he said, is that the lipid nanoparticles go throughout your body. And... Um, you know, for better or for worse, a younger body is quicker. The cells are quicker, quicker. They're more reactive. They're more efficient in what they do. So you put good things in your body, you'll metabolize vitamin D better than an old person. You put crap in your body, it will, it will spread that around more efficiently than with old people as well. That's my, on a very cursory level, my understanding of that. That is, I mean, folks, 22% it said they were diagnosed with something within months. Again, you can't use 100% of that to say injury because it's going to be some order of magnitude less than that. But it's got to be a significant portion because we're talking about 18 to 49-year-olds. So the likelihood that within a few months they were diagnosed with something, I thought this was a very interesting survey. And the fact that they 30% know people who are in that predicament and the fact that nearly a half of them said it was serious. And again, the, 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 the top list are all the things that are most associated through studies, through VAERS, through understanding the pathophysiology of the vaccine with vaccine injury. Okay, it wasn't just, you know, hey, I have muscular skeletal problems, which, which aren't you know, as much associated with the shots as some other things. No, it's the autoimmune, the blood clots, the strokes, the heart attack, Guillain-Barre, Bell's palsy, menstrual cycle disruptions. Well, that obviously. And yet Republicans want to talk about economics. Don't get me wrong, the economics we're in is severe. We are in a vicious feedback loop of the more you spend, the more you inflate, the more you price hike, the more you tank the economy, the more you spend. I mean, we this is, this is going to be really bad. But it's not... In an, it's not an economic cycle that we're going through. It's a great reset transhumanism that that's one of the less severe, as severe as it is, symptoms. We need to keep talking about this. We need to keep fighting for it. They are not going to help us. This is going to do it for this week, folks. Because I'm banned on social media, you are my only ambassadors to grow the audience in this show.
Um, I need you to take it upon yourself to take this week's shows. We had tremendous shows this week. Great guests. Um, send it to everyone you know. Uh, it's called Conservative Review, but one day I'm going to rename it. Even if they're not conservative, it shouldn't turn them off because this speaks to all humanity. I actually think our guest um, from the UK, Sarita, I don't think she's a political conservative because um, it doesn't matter. This is a fight to remain human. Nothing short of that is on the chopping block. This is what is going to be determined in the next year or so if we're successful in our fight. Hope you guys certainly take this show to uh, reaffirm the need to bond with your kid, give them a wholesome life, and treat them to the real normal, God's normal, natural law, natural living, natural um, you know, communication association with friends and, and parents and adults, not to fear humanity. Get them off those stupid screens. I got to take my own advice. My oldest son is too much on that. But uh, get them off of that, and let's go back to the true normal. God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.